Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the ABB Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Murphy, and I'm excited to be discussing the topic of sustainability. This has been a hot theme across all industries, but how does sustainability apply to heavy transport applications? I have with me today Auntie Matanlauri, Global Product Group Manager for Traction and E-Mobility Motors with ABB. Auntie, it's great having you on. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. To start, why all of a sudden does there seem to be such an urgency to create more sustainable transportation through electrifying the powertrains of industrial vehicles? Well, we can start from two different angles on that. And one is the, obviously the impact on our planet to reduce the impact. But the other angle is, is about them um, fuel prices, cost of operating and the volatility that the operators are facing. So all in all, it's important to reduce your emissions, your energy consumption. And, and I think it's, it's a little bit to give you a perspective about the transportation and what kind of an impact we talk. So transportation of people, goods and raw materials is around like 25% of the total global energy consumption. So including all the cars, planes and ships and buses and, 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 and so on. And, and they contribute around 30% of the global CO2 emissions uh, worldwide. And road transport is really the biggest contributor of this. So that includes passenger cars, light trucks, heavy trucks, buses, etc. But but then there is also a smaller category of, of what we call the heavy or industrial vehicles, which are also a significant contributor. We also have other road transport things like construction vehicles and machines. There's a lot, lot of different kind of smaller and bigger ones that are used. And then, for instance, just one of these kind of big excavators or mining trucks can easily contribute to 400 metric tons of CO2 per annum. And that's basically like 150,000 liters of diesel per one of these kind of big vehicles. So so just to give examples, so there are also this kind of transportation that we are not, not really thinking actively in our minds when we hear the word road transport. Then, Climate change panel from United Nations thinks that we have to reduce at least by 40% of our CO2 emissions by 2030 to, to prevent the irreversible climate change and warming up. So the reason why it's so hot topic is that we have to act now. And, and that's also about driven by this, what I mentioned earlier, this fuel price and supply volatility. And that means that we want to be working with our OEMs of this kind of vehicle make builders to provide them a reliable and more cost-effective electric powertrain solutions to upgrade from their diesel side. Okay, that, that's huge. those numbers are just huge with the CO2 and, and, and the amount of consumption. So anything else that's, that's driving the transition, like governmental regulations? I know the, there's been hot topics about efficiency, energy efficiency. Thanks for bringing that up because actually the number one thing is the climate policies, obviously United Nations and driving, but then governments basically have their own mandates, how they want to lie, drive the emissions down to legislation and, and regulations and, and, and subsidies and taxes and other things as well. So those national and local regulations are also important. So if I, if I start from the top thing, so it's the general climate change and then the national and local regulations. And we see this especially in the type of equipment I'm talking about here, the heavy or the industrial vehicles, that they are often regulated differently from passenger cars or, or, or buses, so to speak. So if you think about seeing a construction digger or a, or a truck, they are often using emitting these big black smokes and, and causing a lot of noise. And, and that's actually that the emission requirements on them are not as strict as they are, for instance, like on passenger cars. 
So even though there's a far less of these kind of vehicles, they are emitting a lot more around their local environments, soot, uh, sulfur oxide, nitrogen oxide, and CO2, obviously, as well. So when we talk about legislation, there is a very fast push now, especially we are seeing it in Europe, that many European cities, local local town councils, cities, or even countries are now putting in an, a lot of restrictions on operating noise on and local emissions. And that's actually forcing that if you want to build things in urban city center areas, you cannot use anymore your old dirtier diesel equipment. You have to have quieter and no local emission electrified ones. And that's actually a very big drive for, for some, some sub-segment like smaller construction equipment. But there are additional benefits from this, obviously, like the health. So you're improving the local working conditions. So you have less, you have a cleaner air for the city residents in highly populated dense areas. And also you have less noise, not just the residents, but also the employees themselves there on the construction side. But I would want to mention one thing. Actually, bigger than just the legislation, what is driving the electrification today is actually the energy and the cost of it and how that impacts your cost of operating. So the big thing is that even if we want to believe that legislation drives, it's always coming in in a little bit behind. It's pushing you. But then we have companies which actually see actively the benefit of electrifying their heavy equipment. And, And here I can talk about the reduction of operating cost and and we can do operating we have seen operating cost reductions of between 40 and 60 percent again your initial investments can be bigger and they are bigger but but over time it actually pays back itself multiple times and maybe a good example here would be to give a little bit about mining as a context as well so when we talk about underground mining and if you operate diesel equipment underground mine you need to have a massive ventilation systems you need to get the dirty air out and the clean air in just the ventilation system consumption is massive if you replace now the underground diesel vehicles that you use in in the mines with electrified ones you have a massive saving not just from the reduction of 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 savings from the diesel on the vehicles but also from from the ventilation energy cost reductions and this is something that the operators are realizing, actually, it, it just makes simply much better business to operate an electrified mine than to operate a traditional diesel-powered mine. Okay, very interesting. And I feel like when people talk sustainability, I, I feel like the focus typically is on CO2, on energy efficiency. But it, it's it's interesting to know about the noise regulations as well. Auntie, just so uh, we all are on the same page, when ABB's uh, really involved with with electrifying uh, heavy industrial transportation vehicles, can you be more specific on, on what we're really talking about there? Yeah, it's a good question so that we understand the context. So we talk about primarily three main categories from, from when we talk about these heavy or industrial or off-road vehicles. We talk about mining, construction equipment, and material handling type of equipments. So mining obviously consists, I mentioned the underground mining, but then we have also a big market on surface mining where we have really these biggest vehicles on the planet. You can think of these 12, 15 stories high dump trucks that are carrying 400 plus tons of material on in one go. And in the mining, I mentioned the benefits in a way from, from, from moving diesel to electric, it reduces your CO2 emission and it can help you to reduce your ventilation cost uh, in, in the underground mining. And then also you have the savings from the re- regenerative movement of, of, of material. So for instance, there could be a cases where in mines that your mine is on top of a mountain or mountain hill, and actually you're transporting it down 
you basically can recover free energy when you move materials down on, on a fully loaded truck and then you go up with an empty truck with the assistance of a small battery so to speak. When we talk about construction equipment, everybody can can somehow mentally imagine that yellow, or typically yellow or orange colored excavator digging a hole on your home street. And those kind of excavators go from, for instance, from very small ones to massive ones used again on even in, in this kind of open bit mines and, and so on. Similarly, there's loads of other hundreds of different kinds of construction equipment used to do road paving, used to do hauling materials on a construction site and, and so on. So there are literally really a lot of different kind of wheel loaders and other equipment in construction environment. And in that environment, the electrification can, like I mentioned, the urban environment that sets uh, nowadays much more limitations on local emissions and noise and, and pollution. And then again, the cost of these operating this equipment is quite a lot because they do consume a lot of diesel uh, diesel operating them and, and the cost of energy and the volatility of energy is, is driving now that operators and owners of businesses want to want to have more steady cost base for them. So it's really driving that why they want to do it. The third category that I mentioned is this material handling. So material handling is not just the trucks moving the food to your local grocery or supermarket. When we talk about material handling, you can mentally think about in a small scale, the airport, how your luggage is being hauled in and out of a plane, how it's then sorted and delivered to the belts. But actually, much bigger flow of the material is in containers. So there is a really a large number of equipment used to move around these steel boxes that we call containers to and from ships, onto trains, onto cars, back and forth. So you can think of really about electrifying harbors and, and, and all the equipment there has historically been diesel driven. Some might, the biggest ones might have been electrically driven, uh, but, but most of them are typically diesel driven. This is another really great example of electrifying material handling operations of, of a bigger industrial environments. And, and obviously, then the smaller material handling cases could be the forklift in, uh, in your local warehouses. And these are typically already electrified for quite some time. But the bigger forklifts, bigger container moving equipments, uh, they are then typically not yet electrified. And there we are also seeing a very fast rate of electrification happening right now, driven by the, uh, primarily by the reduced cost of operating them with electricity. Okay, great. So what products are we talking about in this electrical vehicle powertrain? From ABB perspective, we want to sell them powertrain in a way, if I put it that way. So it starts from we have some kind of a motor that creates your speed, your torque, rotates your shaft. Typically, you need to do that to move anything up or down or sideways and, and so on. But motor alone is not enough. So, so ABB, besides these e-mobility motors, we have then matching drives which is the control box that regulates the energy flow into the motor so that it operates at the given speed that the driver wants it to run at any given time. Besides that, you do need some kind of an energy source, and, and these vary from equipment type from another. So let's park the energy source for a moment, but let's say that there is some form of an electrical energy source. And typically, what, what we also provide on is, is a combination of DC-DC converters. Typically, you have to convert energy between different voltage levels, whether or not you want to charge the battery or regenerate battery from breaking with the motor, or you are connecting a charging cable. You need often some electronics to manage that energy flow. And then obviously, ABB 
is a known supplier of charging infrastructure for passenger cars, but we also operate in providing charging infrastructure, charging stations, and, and so on for, for bigger equipment as well. So from ABB point of view, we do have the motors, the drives. We do also sell uh, energy sources, DC-DC converters, and then charging infrastructure. So that's in a way how we see the powertrain. You have to get energy in, store it somehow, possibly convert it a few times in order to run the motor. Okay. All right. You mentioned energy source. Auntie, I'm picturing these vehicles and I'm guessing some of these are massive. Uh, you referred to some of these huge dump trucks, you know, 400 ton kind of dump trucks. So how do these components power this, these massive pieces of equipment? That's an excellent point, and let's let's talk a little bit about the energy sources for this. So if you look historically, originally they were all diesel-driven, mechanically coupled. It was already some time ago that a lot of the times we have been seeing for quite the number of years or decades already, diesel hybrid vehicles. So you have a diesel generator that is powering diesel engine powering a generator that is then running an electric powertrain. And this is actually the case that actually a large part of these biggest dump trucks and others vehicles and also some material handling equipment have been sometime diesel hybrid. The benefit in this one is that it's partially electric. So you have electric drivetrain, but you are optimizing your diesel so that it operates on your peak efficiency load. So diesels typically have a very narrow range when they are really, really efficient and you want to keep it there and then you use the electric assistance, so to speak, or hybrid train to keep it there. Same concept as in, in, in the hybrid, uh, hybrid petrol cars as well. But besides this, when we really talk about fully electric vehicles, the energy sources are typically either a combination of battery, trolley, cable connections, or fuel cells. When we talk about battery-powered ones, the battery is, is a little bit of a tricky thing because for this kind of vehicles, they are very big and very heavy and also very costly. So, so the right choice might not be actually to putting in a full-size battery so that you can operate it one shift and, and then charge or so on. But, but actually, most of the time, you need to look on how you operate the equipment. What's your load cycle? Do you go downhill with the full load? Do you go uphill with the full load, for instance, in mining? Similarly, in construction equipment, for instance, what's your load cycle? How, how many cycles per hour you need and how much free time you have. Do you only operate eight hours a day, 12 hours a day, 24 hours nonstop? All of this in a way impacts that what's the most optimal solution for getting the energy to it. So yes, there are some full-sized uh, full battery vehicles, but typically those come with the drawback. They're very costly. You lose on payload and you have charging times that, that require a lot. So often we see solutions where there is a fast charging, small battery. So if there is any kind of smaller intervals that you don't need to operate it, that you put a smaller battery that supports fast charging and, uh, and high cycle count, that then you charge it rapidly when you have a brake or shift chains or, and, or so on. That's one option. The other option is this kind of trolley or overhead power solution. You can think of like trains have the overhead power lines. Similar kind of things we are, we are doing, for instance, for mines, that you have a um, mining equipment that operates digging a hole, loading, etc., getting it ready. And then when the dump truck goes uphill, it has an overhead power line that powers it and it charges its battery so that it can operate without having the constant connection to the overhead power line. So on both ends, it can freely move locally for a while. But, but when it really tra travels uphill and so on, it has access to power that not just powers its movement, but also charges the battery in between. So this is this kind of an overhead power solution. And again, the overhead power solution doesn't need to be continuous. It can have a small battery, that's a fast charging one, that allows it then to operate 24 hours a day without actually ever being stopped for charging. 
in construction equipment, for instance, also something that is happening and in material handling is also cable connections, that you have a flexible power cables that it's basically permanently mounted to the grid. That has the benefit that the equipment costs less minus the cable, which might be expensive depending where you are, uh, how, how close your power substation is. But again, the equipment is, is weighs less, costs less, and can operate basically nonstop if you have a cable connection. Again, you have then the height sign that you don't have free movement because you have you are basically you have a tether that keeps you keeps you within your working area. But if your working area is kind of like known in advance and restricted, you can use the cable connection. And besides, you know, the power overhead lines, cable connection, charging, batteries, then we have also the fuel cells. And that's also another alternative, which is basically a piece of equipment that converts, without burning it, um, converts a chemical into directly into electricity. Mo- mo- most people talk about hydrogen fuel cells, but there are also other chemistry types like ammonia fuel cells as well, which have a possibility for future in, in empowering in a sustainable way from a tank these kind of equipments. Nowadays, I would say that we don't see that much of fuel cell solutions, but it, it's a possibility that these could replace some of these alternatives in, in as well. So it's a really a mixture of, of energy sources that are used with these electrified vehicles, and it depends really on them, how you operate the equipment, how much non-operating hours you have to charge the batteries, etc., and how much you are willing to put money on the batteries, because that's really is the really expensive part. So you typically want to have a small one and try to use as much of these alternative solutions of charging in between and or overnight when you don't use the equipment. Okay, that's that's great. So the benefits are are huge: energy efficiency, CO two reduction, noise reduction. So, Auntie, why do you think or what are some of the reasons why electrification hasn't been fully implemented in this industry before? I think it's a combination of factors. And maybe the first one is that construction industry, mining industry, they, they have a certain reference that they, they do they have technology experience with electrified versions, that you have previous experience that you know and you can trust it. Diesel, you have been operating century, you know how it runs, you know how to maintain it, etc. So you have to get comfortable with the idea. So so that comes with this, that do you have reference cases that you believe in it? And actually, I think lack of those is one thing that has been limiting it for, in the past at least, that not really wanting to, believing that it, it offers better things. And it comes from, I understand the hesitation. You don't want your mind to stop because the cost of not operating is huge. Another one that is a common fear, you, you might know the reigns anxiety from the EV market for personal cars is that what is your operational time and how much is your cycle time of charging? So there's a lot of fears on this that actually you need more equipment. Your your capital investment goes up because you suddenly need three times more, more trucks or excavators to operate uh, because half of them are just charging. And, and I think that's one of the challenges that is being addressed with this kind of fast charging and this approach. So, so limited operation time and cycle time of charging. But like in the EVs, battery technology has improved. We have now battery chemistries that allow fast charging and, and high cycle count. So, so that has actually improved. Thirdly, I think it's it's been the lack of infrastructure. So some of the sites, especially remote mining sites, might have somewhat limited power connections available. So availability of grid electric power is one thing that is limiting in some cases. It, But the more urban, the more constructed areas it is, I don't think this is really the problem there. But in some cases, actually, it might mean that you have to invest in a bigger power line to your site before you can electrify it, just so that you need more power to operate now uh, your equipment. And 
then maybe the fourth point is that is this that how do you make decisions and and a lot of times uh, spending money now to getting the return that if you're not sure if you believe the technology works if the quality is there uh, leads that you you make conservative decisions that it's it's a that it, it you don't want to take risk of doing a big capital investment on a new novel technology that no one in your field has used before so that's that's one of these kind of things that we have been seeing and actually it's quite interesting that coming back to this that how how this this has been changing is also to leasing arrangements that instead of buying the equipment you lease it at the lower rate than you're you're operating your current one basically you don't need to necessarily put your own capital up front but you get the reduced operating cost right now and and then the leasing company has in a way the technology risk of the novel equipment so so this kind of leasing arrangement and and companies especially in construction industry are really eager to push for electrified equipment and and that's very interesting interesting development of breaking this barrier of of conservative decision making so to speak as well so it's really about that we have now reference cases from all these applications operation time and cycle uh, charging cycle time have have improved we have uh, most of the time we do have grid power available and lastly we have figured out ways of working with leasing companies of also leasing these and not just only selling equipment okay excellent all right so we're drawn to a close on our podcast but andy where do you see the future for electrified heavy vehicles that's an excellent question so what i believe is that pure diesel so let's just say pure mechanical diesel powered equipment will be phased out from mining from construction, from marine vessels. I think actually more quickly than we think today. It's it's only going to be limited really by the speed of having alternatives available that you can buy or upgrade to. I think that's going to happen. That's the first thing. In ur- urban areas, materials and construction equipment will move really fast as well into, into electrified versions because the local authorities will implement new laws, regulations, Operators need to have this no emission fleet in order to comply with the contracts. So it's a license to operate to have these in, in some places now. Underground mining, the business case is so strong in, in operating cost reduction that, especially in greenfield sites and even on brownfield side, that it's happening very quickly just simply because it's more profitable for the operators. And this will continue to get to electric. I think then after these most let's say, attractive cases, then the surface mining will follow with a little bit of a delay. It will take a while, a while before um, before the existing fleet and, and existing places will be electrified. And I think that will take us to somewhere to 2030s before we are going to see them, 25 to 2030s before we see a fast adaptation or a big adaptation of, of uh, electric uh, vehicles in these bigger equipment. It takes time to develop them, to get them ready and convince the operators to upgrade to them. But we have some good examples like this Bulliden mine case in Sweden, where we have a, around a 700 trolley system for large mining trucks that run up. They run uphill on an electricity instead of a diesel, and they save like 830 cubic meters of diesel per year. So we have done these kind of cases. But I think in this surface mining industry, it will take a little bit while. The heavier construction equipment, I mean, especially in non-urban areas, will also happen in the next five to eight years. So I think in this 25 to 2030s range, we will see them electrifying. And then lastly, the material handling sector in small ones, uh, I mean small by cargo capacity, let's say under six or 10 ton payloads, they are basically already available electrified versions and the bigger ones are going to come in the coming next three to five years as well available. So I think we are going to see a very rapid transition, much more than we believe on short term. So it's always that the short term change is underestimated and the long term is 
sorry, if short term is overestimated and the long term is underestimated. So I think this is one of those cases that within five years, we are going to see a lot more than we can imagine today. That's great. That's great. Hey, Auntie, this has been a great discussion. I think this is such a cool topic, just learning more about what ABB is doing well, with electrifying heavy equipment. I do have one last question for you before I let you go. Where can someone go to learn more about sustainable transport? I think this is also a great place to stop. And, and we have this ABP sustainable transportation landing page. We can put the link uh, to this uh, podcast where we have more information about the ABP's offering and solutions than what we are working and some nice cases as well. So feel free to visit it. And if you have enjoyed our podcast today. Great, great. All right. Perfect place to stop. Remember, if you'd like more information on sustainability with heavy transports, reach out to your local ABB sales representative or visit us on that landing page that Auntie just described. Hope you keep tuning in to the ABB Solutions podcast in your favorite browser or app. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.